As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, that was a game that I think people are going to remember for years to come. The 49ers beat the Raiders 37-34 to in overtime. I was in Vegas, and, you know, I just had never seen anything like that from an atmosphere perspective. I would estimate 70 to 75% 49ers fans, just a whole lot of red at Allegiant Stadium, but the Raiders fans were extremely loud as well. So it was just back and forth, back and forth. Uh, sometimes you you know you, you really had to wait to see w- w- what a call was on the field because uh, <laughs> sometimes you gauge by the crowd reaction, right? But in this game, it was going both ways. Both both sets of fans were equally loud, and it made for just a hell of an atmosphere. And then the game obviously fed into that atmosphere. Seesaw battle, 49ers had to come from behind 24-14 in the third quarter. They ended up taking the lead. Raiders ended up tying it. 49ers ended up winning in overtime after they blew a chance with a missed Robbie Gold field goal to win at the end of regulation. So one of those emotional rivalry games, a roller coaster. And the 49ers are now the number two seed in the NFC because Minnesota lost to Green Bay with a number one seed and a potential bye week still on the table. Although I have to say it's probably still unlikely because Philadelphia would have to lose to the New York Giants who don't have much to play for next week. Still, though, a valuable victory for the 49ers. They have now won nine straight games. Ten in a row is very likely. They're 13.5-point favorites against Arizona next week. And uh, I'm almost certain, Matt, that Arizona will not put up the same type of fight that the Raiders were able to put up against the 49ers on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, that that atmosphere that you're describing, I thought, was sort of the, the story of the game, in a sense, because you've got this young quarterback who... Uh, everything's gone right for him so far, and all of a sudden in this game, he's he's playing uh, with a deficit, and he's playing in a uh, hostile place um, that uh, seemed to have a lot of playoff-like electricity. And uh, Brock Purdy was not phased. I mean, that's that's the lesson we keep uh, learning over and over. It's just how calm he is, how composed he is. Uh, and that, that seemed to be the big takeaway. The other big takeaway for me is that the, the 49ers have had some of these kind of late season stinkers in the past. Remember that, that game in 2019 where they lost to 
um, a bad Falcons team, certainly uh, a team that was not as good as the Raiders are. And then in in, um, last season, I think it was on the road in Tennessee, they lost on a uh, primetime game around Christmas time. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, uh, sort of told you, oh boy, I don't don't know if this team is going to be able to uh, make it to the playoffs, but they, they've been properly, I guess the word, uh, chastened by those, those games. And they rallied, um, from those losses and they were really good in the playoffs from, from that point forth. And so the 49ers sort of get the, the benefit of both worlds. They get the win, which get, gives them the, the number two seed right now. And they also kind of came out of it chastened. Like, uh, we learned some lessons today. Uh, the Raiders, uh, showed us some flaws, we're definitely going to go back to the drawing board and work on those, um, and uh, we're going to be stronger for it. So I think the hope is that the 49ers will look at this game that the, the way that they did that loss to the Chiefs back in Week 7, uh, which, of course, uh, was the start of their, their current winning streak, and uh, will kind of uh, take similar lessons. But uh, well, it's not a... Uh, it was not the usual dominant defensive game, Dennis. They, they gave up 500 yards, and uh, they were on their heels quite a bit in that contest. Yeah, and, and that's what really surprised me. First of all, I mean, I've been to a lot of stadiums, and I've seen a lot of football games. But after watching this game and just seeing, you know, they would pan in the crowd. And, yes, there was a lot of 49er fans, but there were still a lot of that – the Raider Nation there. And, you know, it's no longer the Battle of the Bay like it used to be. Um, I remember the the, the game in, in Candlestick. I don't know what year it was, but it was like a war. And, you know, outside in the parking lot, you know, the teams were clashing and, and it was just a fun game. But it, it's not the same thing in the desert now. It's, it's, it's Las Vegas, so it, it's showtime. But it's still the atmosphere looked really cool. And, you know, I, I want to see a 49er Raider game uh, in Las Vegas now, just watching the game last night. And, and it was a competitive game. And, you know, the defense really surprised me. Well, they disappointed me, surprising me. But they, they seemed like they, they had no answer to this young quarterback. And uh, he ran up and down the field. He extended plays with his legs. He got some first downs uh, running the football. He was, he was on – he was in rhythm. He was on target. He – his weapons had woke up. And th- th- this is what happens when you you put a backup quarterback in. You get a little spark on your football team. So I was really surprised. At the end of the day, they the 40, this 49ers' number one defense gave up 500 yards. Uh, but on the offensive side, it, it looked like Brock Purdy never, ever, ever stressed out about it. I mean, he was he was cool. He was under – he was he was compo- composed – and I never once thought when the offense was on the on the field they wouldn't score a field goal touchdown or something. I mean, he was he he felt he looked very comfortable in the pocket, um, and I think he checks off another box. You know, playing um, behind, uh, winning a football game, um, uh, a two minute drill, uh, set up Robbie goal even though he missed a field goal. But um, again, you know, we, I think we have to stop. Waiting for this other shooter drop with Brock Purdy. I think this kid might be the guy um, because he's proven it. I mean, unless something really, you know, if, if, it, if, his, if his game drops off, you know. But right now, I mean, he is playing lights out football. I mean, he he's looking like he's a 10-year vet. So, 
I think we got to start believing in this kid and thinking this might be the quarterback that the 49ers uh, and Kyle Shanahan have been waiting for. Well, the other shoe did drop yesterday, and he bounced back from it, which is what really impressed the 49ers, right? Late third quarter, early fourth quarter, he made a really bad pass to to George Kittle that was intercepted. It's touchdown if he leads him. Uh, You know, what I think was really interesting is Purdy owned up to it after the game and said, "I, I just didn't see the cornerback. I thought that Kittle was wide open, so I just tossed it up so he'd be able to make an easy catch. But obviously, with the backside corner coming over, that ball should have led George Kittle, should have been a touchdown. And after missing it, Purdy was off for his next two throws. He was a little late throwing to Juwan Jennings on what could have been a touchdown, allowed the defense to catch up and make that a tough catch. And then he just totally missed George Kittle. So Purdy there was out of rhythm for three throws, And, you know, I even thought those struggles carried over to the red zone where he tried to force a ball into George Kittle, didn't seem as, as, you know, convicted in in, in his his decision-making in the red zone as he normally is. And, you know, Marcus Thompson, a writer at The Athletic, and I, we were sitting next to each other in the press box. We looked at each other and said, you know what, this is it. These are the struggles that we've been talking about that Brock Purdy is going to run into. How is he going to bounce back from them? And... Bounce yeah. back from them, he did, down the yeah. stretch of that game. You know, and what Brandon Ayuk was, the, the timing routes, those slant routes with Ayuk, that was what got Purdy out of it. And it was interesting because I asked both of those guys about those plays after the game, and Ayuk said that the coaching staff was actually getting on Brock Purdy over the course of this past week for, for his performances and weeks prior for not delivering the ball on time on routes like that, that he was a little bit late, that it might have been tied to the oblique injury because he wasn't getting as much practice. And the coaching staff really challenged Brock Purdy to start delivering the ball with better timing. They weren't fully satisfied with what he was doing in that regard of the game. And in this game, he absolutely nailed it. And when I asked Brock about that, he said, well, this that's exactly right. I needed to get more practice time coming off the injury. This was my first really fully healthy week at practice in a long time. And that, you know, th- th- that work paid off. That timing work paid off because Purdy was able to fall back on his training. He was able to fall back on something that the 49ers had worked on in practice to reverse the struggles mid-game. And he said that Brian Greasy calmed him down on the sideline, recentered him and said, hey, we've worked on this in practice, go out and do it. And he did. And boy, I mean, that two-minute drive, that was master hand signal kind of stuff. Set the 49ers up to win. I know Gold missed a field goal, but to me, the story of the game, Matt, was how Brock Purdy marched the 49ers down the field with what, like 120 left in the game? No problem. Looked like a seasoned veteran doing it. Yeah, I think one of the underappreciated aspects of the season, and maybe something we'll come to fully understand, um, you know, a few weeks from now, is that stretch when he was dealing with that oblique. I mean, it's a guy who was a rookie, a third, the, the third stringer, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, all that stuff. He's thrust into action late in the season and if that's not enough all of a sudden he can't even practice so i mean uh you think of uh, brandon Ayuk and just the uh the lengths he went to this off season to develop chemistry with his quarterback remember he spent the entire off season with uh, trey lance kind of uh, building a rapport with him and then lance goes down in, in week two and uh, Ayuk starts that climb uh, again with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, and they build a, a strong rapport. Well, you know, uh, then Garoppolo gets hurt, and there's really no way for Ayuk to 
kind of build that same chemistry with Purdy because Purdy can't practice. I mean, certainly can't deliver those, you know, those deep over-the-middle crossers that uh, are such a staple for the offense and for for, uh, Brandon Ayuk. So um, it's really amazing what happened at the end of the game. I just thought that was Ayuk's. uh, Ayuk's had a fantastic season. That drive was his best drive, just a gritty drive, catching balls in traffic, getting hit, um, having to kind of think on his feet with that uh, with that batted ball that set up what should have been the the, the game winning field goal. So just a uh, just a real kind of testament to him and all the work that he's put in. I mean, sometimes you put in all this work and uh, kind of life deals you a, a curveball. And uh, like I said, to his credit, uh, uh, Brandon Ayuk has been catching up with those curves, Dennis. From uh, from the beginning of the season onward, yeah, and and I think Brandon Ayuk is a true number one receiver, uh, and I think uh, defensive coordinators are going to have their best. They're going to start having their best cover guy travel with Brandon Ayuk, uh, and then we know what happens with that. Then you leave George Kittle open. You got uh, Debo coming back, and then you have uh, McCaffrey coming out the backfield. So you know Brandon Ayuk is he's worked hard. You know he's been in the doghouse. A couple of years, but he's he's gotten better, you know, and, and and that last drive regulation during the regulation time was all Brandon Ayuk. I think it was, you know, all the passes went to Brandon Ayuk and he came up with them and he set the team up, you know, Robbie Gold to to win the football game with a field goal. So, you know, Brandon Ayuk, is, he's a true number one and he's and he's gotten better. And, you know, quarterback, whatever quarterback he's had to deal with. I mean, he's when he's made those tough catches. Um, you know, we're, we're going to nitpick on on um, Burke, uh, uh, Brock Purdy, but, you know, all quarterbacks miss passes. You know, I, I heard Kyle Shanahan's uh, press press uh, conference after the game. And he was just like, oh, he missed some stuff. And, uh, you know, all quarterbacks are going to miss some some passes. But I mean, you, there's no doubt this guy. I mean, he's won what four in a row now. He's you know, he's he's got. You know, he's got his confidence and he doesn't, it doesn't show. And the reason why I know is because he still carries his own helmet. He, he's not, he's got, it's not gotten too big for him. You know, he's still very humble. Um, and, you know, I'm impressed by the guy. I mean, I can't stop talking about the kid. I, I mean, I'm so impressed by him because we talk about these quarterbacks, you know, coming out of college, these flashy guys and how they're going to be this and how they're going to be that. And here's this kid here, just calmly and, and, you know, methodically. He goes out there. And if you watch him, you watch him yesterday. I mean, he just went out there every series and he executed. You know, he had that one pick. Yeah, but he just he bounces back and he just executes. He just runs this offense and it feels like he's been in the offense for a long time. So I'm going to say it again. I'm super impressed by this kid. Well, speaking of Brandon Ayuk, a receiver number one, he's up to 956 receiving yards on the season. That was a nine catch. 101 yard performance and that means that entering the finale Ayuk is only 44 yards away from the coveted 1,000 yard mark which he has yet to reach he was somewhere in the 800s I believe during his rookie season in 2020 so with 44 receiving yards against the Cardinals this coming weekend Brandon Ayuk will be a 1,000 yard receiver and that is a mark of a of a top guy who's going to be drawing the kind of coverage that Dennis talked about and then the 49ers just have so many weapons beyond that that if Ayuk does that job Debo Samuel is going to be coming back soon Christian McCaffrey one of the best players in football I mean you just watch Christian McCaffrey play 
and it's jaw-dropping that he didn't make the Pro Bowl. The NFL really has to do something about the selection process if one of its very top superstars is not in its all-star game. Absolutely absurd because yesterday he was doing everything. I mean, he was he ran for 6.8 per carry. He was catching the ball out of the backfield. The screen passed there toward the end of the game that uh, set up the Jordan Mason touchdown was just a work of art. By the way, Daniel Brunskill looked like Superman diving in to deliver one of those blocks, but McCaffrey was both fast, he was shifty, and then he was bowling over people. His presence within the framework of all these 49ers weapons, Kittle, Ayuk, um, you know, Devo Samuel, I said, coming back. Ray Ray McLeod yesterday had a big screen pass, but McCaffrey's presence there gives the 49ers one more very, very capable, eligible, that just spreads out the offense and makes the job for the quarterback that much easier. And Brock Purdy himself said, I just have to sit back there and play point guard. And and he did a great job playing point guard with Christian McCaffrey, again, being the focal point of the offense, both on the ground and through the air. Yeah, I thought it was Christian McCaffrey's most impressive game. And that's, that's saying a lot because he, remember, he had a, a game against the Rams where he threw for a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown uh, and he caught a touchdown. And then he was the real workhorse up in Seattle a week and a half ago. So he's had some prolific games. But this one, I just felt like he ran the ball so well. He was so smart with his run. On some handoffs, he was at full speed when he was swiping the ball from Brock Purdy's hands. On others, uh, on that screen pass, for example, he literally stopped. And I'm thinking to myself, why the heck is he stopping? Just get down the field. Well, he was stopping to pick up his convoy, pick up a key block from Daniel Brunskill. It ended up being a really smart play. He just did a, a wonderful job of, of setting up his blocks. And I think you you see the understanding. Like maybe that first month, he was just feeling out the 49ers offense, feeling out the blockers, figuring out what to do. He's got a handle on it now. And uh, that was clear against the Raiders. Now, the Raiders did the Raiders thing where that defense just kind of fell apart in the second half. So I, I think we have to keep that in mind. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan was going for the jugular. He gave that end around to Danny Gray. I thought Gray made a mistake in, in going to the uh, outside of his block. Uh, I think it was George Kittle throwing that block. If he had gone to the inside, if he had done a Christian McCaffrey and, and kind of set it up a little bit better, I think he was uh, in the end zone. And I think the uh, tip pass that uh, Ayuk caught, that was uh, an easy touchdown if uh, if uh, Brock Purdy isn't hit as he throws the ball. So uh, they were just gouging the Raiders at that point. The Raiders were very lucky to have won the toss in the second uh, in the first overtime. Uh, but obviously that came back to bite them too. So um, it was uh, I felt like Kyle Shanahan was kind of licking his lips, Dennis, as far as uh, some of the big gouging plays that he was dialing up there in uh, late <laughs> in the second half. Yeah, and I, I think you know Christian McCaffrey. I think he ends up he ends up with like 200 yards, all-purpose yards, right. running and catching. So, I mean, and, and if you watch him, if you watch him him play the way he runs the football, and you said it, Matt, he's he's smart. He sets up his blocks. He he understands the angles, uh, and you you'll see him running downfield, and you'll see him you know his head um, you know looking one way, and then all of a sudden he'll shift the other way, and and it, and it's just him setting up the angle you know for the defender trying to come to get him. So I mean he's a smart runner, and and when he gets the ball, you're right. I mean he's always he's got great vision, you know, and and he's perfect for this. 
this scheme, this Kyle Shanahan scheme, because with the zone blocking, you know, the gaps are moving and he's got such great vision. He can see how it's going to open up. He can see how that cutback's going to be there by just watching the offensive lineman, the zone blocking, and then seeing that defensive end if he's going to cave in or if he's going to stay on, stay on the outside. So he's a smart runner and he's, and he's shifty. You know, you watch him here, he'll, he'll take a couple steps sideways, he'll stop, then he'll go. And his, his acceleration, his acceleration and his burst, just amazing. Um, and watching, I mean, he's not supposed to do some of the stuff he does, but he's, and he's only what, 5'11, but, uh, you know, it's hard to bring him down. It, it feels like he's always looking to play on the edge of a defender and he's always looking to kind of spin and make a move to get those extra yards. So, I mean, you know, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, I mean, this front office, they, they look genius. I think, you know, Brock Purdy has played well. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo coming in to start this winning streak. But I think that was um, the thing that turned that turned this entire football season around for the 49ers, getting this this trade for Christian McCaffrey. I think that's made the entire football season. And it makes John Lynch just look like he's a genius. So I love watching him play. It really does. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the delineation is clear. They Since McCaffrey became – a starter for the 49ers they are 9 and 0 entering this game against the Raiders their average margin of victory was 17 points which is absurdly big they're due for a closer one but i mean they still won right and McCaffrey had an even more impactful role in this victory and the reason he had to have that impactful role was because the 49ers defense laid down a stinker it wasn't a good game but you do have to give a lot of credit to the Raiders because they have a lot of weapons on offense. They're, you know, Darren Waller's a mismatch, right, at 6'7". Devontae Adams is one of the best in football, so he's going to pose problems for anybody. Josh Jacobs, Nick Bosa said he's the best back that he's played against. So you have all those guys. And then Jared Stidham, give him credit, shows up, 61 career passes, but starts running, starts throwing off schedule. He's accurate. He, you know, Nick Bosa pressured him a lot. There were 10 pressures in that game. Ultimately, that caught up to Stidham, and he threw that interception to Deshaun Gibson that set up the win for the 49ers at the end of the game. I mean, that place, it felt like an earthquake at Allegiant Stadium <laughs> when, when, when he was running down the sideline. It was that loud. It was shaking in there. But anyways, 365 yards for Stidham. Only quarterback who has thrown for more against the 49ers this year was Mahomes with like 420. So, I mean, the, the Raiders came out with a game plan. They knew that the 49ers would underestimate Stidham. They did. Bosa acknowledged that. Uh, they thought that they were just going to stack it up against the run. That's exactly what the 49ers did. And with that, the play action was open. That built the confidence for the Raiders' offense. And they, they played a great game. 500 yards of total offense. And because of that, Matt, the 49ers had to win this game offensively. They had to pick up the slack for their defense. And when I was in the locker room, everybody was talking about 2019 New Orleans, 48-46. It was that kind of game. Great defenses have bad games. They had one yesterday. Offense had to pick them up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the atmosphere in both cases was uh, playoff-like. And, and the 49ers won both of those. So it's got to be a huge confidence boost for this team. Um, Dennis just said something that, that kind of uh, – triggered a thought and you know we're going to have all these end of season awards coming about a month from now uh maybe a little sooner than that um and uh you know i think that everybody in the league thinks that uh howie roseman in philadelphia will get executive of, of the year 
Um, what about John Lynch for that role? I mean, um, th- that trade for McCaffrey is a, a masterful one. It's huge, obviously. Uh, and then you throw in the fact that they made perhaps the, the, the best uh, draft pick of, of the year as well uh, with Mr. Irrelevant. Um, you know, you, you make a first-round pick, you expect the guy to, to deliver. You, you pick a guy late in the seventh round, and, you, and you, you, you're, you're tickled if he even makes your squad, much less leads your team into the playoffs. So those two, uh, those two maneuvers, the you know, retaining Garoppolo, uh, there's, there's a good argument, I think, to be made for Lynch and the, the, the 49ers front office to be the executives of the year. And then coach of the year, I, I, I think that's probably uh, Nick Sirianni, uh, as well, maybe uh, maybe the guy in uh, in Minnesota, but uh, it's it's another one where Kyle Shanahan probably d- deserves at least to be mentioned, deserves to be in the debate. I don't want to sound like a total homer, but even kind of taking a step back, uh, some of the things that they've done this season have been uh, pretty impressive. And you're right. I, I think you know some of those awards. Um, could come the 49ers way. I, I just, I, I think about the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Um, and I think about, you know, drafting Brock Purdy, the last player in the NFL draft. No one's, and I wonder, was he on anybody else's board? Was Brock Purdy on anybody else's board, uh, higher than the seventh round? But to bring him in and then, you know, to see, get him in camp and then him kind of take over, you know, a, uh, a, a, a spot on this football team and then still have Jimmy Garoppolo there. I think we've kind of forgotten about the Trey Lance thing because of, of Purdy and, and Jimmy G. But, and then, um, you know, then, then Kristen McCaffrey. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing what they've done up there. And it's, and I guess it just shows, I, I think it's a lot of luck too to have, you know, have Brock Purdy, you know, just on your board and then to kind of take him. But they've used him well. And, and I think, you know, they've used, a lot of their draft picks you see with Debo and Brandon Ayuk and, you know, having Jawan Jennings on this football team. Um, I think they've, that, that front office has done a really, really good job. Um, and I think, you know, at the end of the season, you might see some more come the 49ers way. But now this defense, let's talk about this defense. You know, this defense was, was, was they had a, bad games. Defense have bad games. This was an awful game. And it started off, I think, with Hufunga you know, eyes in the backfield and just giving up that that big gash play. I haven't seen the 49ers put so many busted plays um, since early in the football season. Uh, and these are the things that, you know, you come out with a win, but these are the things that you got to fix, right, uh, in the playoffs. Whatever the Raiders did to confuse that that secondary, um, it's it, it, it was so – I mean, it was so many busted plays. And whatever happens moving on to the playoffs, you got to figure out a way – to get Demo, Demo some uh, some help um, because teams are going to target against him. I mean, it was it was very obvious that they were going to him. They were trying to get to him and they were trying to expose him. Uh, I think the linebackers played well. The defensive line, um, you know, Javon Kinlaw, he's got to get some more reps. I mean, he was getting stood up. He had a one good play on that goal line when he stood up to guard, but uh, he's not disengaging. Uh, big holes. Uh, up front, you know, Nick Bosa is going to be Nick Bosa. He's going to get pressure. Uh, but that that front was kind of they were kind of they were kind of popped in the mouth uh, with this Raiders offensive line. So these are things you come out with a win. You can watch the film. You can fix it. But uh, this defense can't play like this um, uh, moving forward into the playoffs. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, you talk about weaknesses for this 49ers team, and you say you're only as good as your weakest cornerback. And yesterday, the Amado Lenore really, really struggled. Now, the Raiders, they're a special offense in that they, with Waller at 6'7", with Devontae Adams, and obviously with the running threat in Josh Jacobs, they, they can, and, and Fabian Moreau, too, big, big tight end, who wrestled uh, one away there from the Amado Lenore. That, that, that's a team that, that can create a lot of headaches, right? Especially in the secondary if if the throws are accurate and that relies on decent pass protection so that you know that's a big reason why the 49ers had some trouble with shorter cornerbacks like Diamond or Lenore because throughout most of the game Stidham was able to get the ball out quickly enough to take advantage of those mismatches now toward the end the 49ers started to get the pressure that they needed to get and that's why I talk about the the Bosa pressure pushing Colton Miller back into Stidham but that took an adjustment right Bosa was he realized the coverage for the 49ers in this game was not good enough to allow him the time to run you know speed pass rushing moves you know, finesse pass rushing moves around Colton Miller at left tackle he said I've got to affect the quarterback more quickly so he ran a bull rush he switched it up and ran the bull rush there in overtime and made Colton Miller do the work for him right Miller is the one who hit Jared Stidham and forced that pass to be errant a little wobbler up in the air, a floater that was intercepted by Tashawn Gibson. So good midstream adjustment by Nick Bosa. And I also have to say, Matt, that Kerry Hyder Jr., who was the 49ers sack leader in 2020 while Bosa was out, uh, he made a, a string of two plays, consecutive plays a little bit earlier that uh, I don't think the 49ers win without them. First play, Hyder pressure, beats left guard, 
gets to Stidham, and because of that, a, a deep throw to Waller is a little bit off the mark. And based on everything that we saw yesterday, if Stidham had had extra time, if he wasn't hit during that throw, I think it's safe to say that Waller would have pulled that one in, and the Raiders would have been set up to score another touchdown. And on the very next play, Kerry Hyder batted the ball high into the air, and the rookie, Drake Jackson, whose dad is still a Raiders fan, his dad was wearing a Raiders hat and a 49ers jersey with his son's name on it. But Drake Jackson picked off the pass, and the 49ers were uh, – that, that was huge toward the 49ers completing their comeback. But if Kerry Hyder doesn't make those two plays, if the 49ers goal line defense doesn't make two stands in the first half, and that, that was Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, T.Y. McGill, who had four pressures. I mean, that was a team effort. If those plays don't happen – then the 49ers don't win this game. So despite the fact that they gave up those 500 total yards, this defense still made enough plays uh, on a bad day to, 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 barely, to barely skate by. And I think it's really important to kind of point out that this defense does have that clutch gene. It, it has showed up. Yeah, and, and Hyder's been really impressive over the last month or so. He was one of the guys, several guys got hurt in that Tampa Bay game. Um, and he had an ankle sprain that uh, probably should have kept him out of the of the next game, which was that short week game up in Seattle on artificial turf. But uh, there were enough other guys. Kinlaw wasn't back then. Uh, Givens had, had just gotten hurt. They, they were banged up in the middle. Uh, and he had to play. And uh, he actually started that game in Seattle. And he said he was playing on one leg, uh, but, but gutted his way through it. Had a, had a pretty good game, in fact. But uh, did enough damage that he had to sit out the following week uh, against uh, the Commanders. And so, um, you know, it's just kind of a selfless thing. I mean, it's, it's a, a very Kerry Hyder thing to do. He's the, the unsung guy, the blue-collar guy, but he's the guy that always kind of shows up when you need him most. He plays defensive end. He plays defensive tackle. Um, he's one of several... Uh, guys, Dennis, who are going to be uh, free agents along that defensive line. I think, I think he's he's got to be one of the ones that they they bring back because he's just such uh, he's part of their their DNA, uh, and he always has his best years when Chris Kasarek is is coaching him. So um, he he was fantastic at uh, at the right times, and I, I just felt like the the 49ers were visited by an old ghost, uh, especially in the first half, which is kind of uh, having that, that upfield rush, and then all of a sudden the rush goes past the quarterback, and the quarterback has all sorts of room to run. And uh, Jared Stidham was very good at, at sort of gouging them at that. Uh, and it's something that Bosa noted uh, noted a couple times after the game. And you look at their potential playoff opponents, and, and you've got uh, you know Daniel Jones with the Giants. He knows how to run. You've got... Uh, Dak Prescott with the Cowboys, he could uh, damage you. And uh, you got Jalen Hurts with the Eagles. I mean, uh, when they played in Week 2 last year, Hurts was uh, basically the the only offense that the Eagles had. I think he had something like 85, 82, 85 yards on the ground, a rushing touchdown. Uh, so that's something, and we talk about this all the time, uh, that the 49ers have to be more cognizant of because uh, it can really break your back when you've got a team um, third and long and great coverage and uh, the quarterback just kind of slips out and finds uh, 15 yards of open space right in front of him. So it's something that the, the 49ers have had trouble marrying uh, that aggressive pass rush with keeping the quarterback under control. I, I just wanted to ask your thoughts about that, what you saw 
on Sunday and, and how the 49ers can prevent that from being an issue in the playoffs. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's all about disciplined um, pass rushing. I mean, we, we, the new NFL is all about the edge rusher, the pass rusher, getting to the quarterback, how many sacks you got, how many pressures you got. So I, I think a lot of defensive linemen now, you know, first, second down, especially third down, you're just thinking about getting to the passer. Uh, and, you know, we saw with the Chiefs that you can you can use that against a defense, uh, especially if a quarterback knows what a coverage is. And if a quarterback knows that it's man coverage uh, and everyone's running with receivers back to him, if he sees a pass rush lane, uh, if he sees a pass rush lane open up, he can take it knowing they can get 10 to 15 yards before anybody even realizes he's out the backfield. So it's disciplined pass rush lanes. Offensive linemen want to move you out of pass rush lanes. They know where the pass rush lanes are. They want to move you out of it so a quarterback can first have a place to see, uh, vision, and then an opportunity if you want to run to run the football. So, you know, defenses, defensive linemen now just have to realize that quarterbacks, uh, offenses are hip to the fact that defensive linemen want to get in that sack category. They want to get in that pressure category. So everyone's running upfield trying to get to the quarterback, not really paying attention to what your contain is and what your pass rush lanes are. And it's interesting you said Nick Bosa kind of got it at the end of the game that he couldn't take that wide uh, hump to get to the quarterback. You got to go straight up the field with a bull rush. So, I mean, it's just knowing, you know, communication. You know, if knowing that you've got man coverage on the back end and knowing that, you know, there if you're not in your pass rush lanes, it's going to open up a run lane for a quarterback. So, you know, that's just football one-on-one. You know, when I was playing, it was always, you know, someone had, you know, when you're inside, your three techniques, somebody had always had to rush inside and someone always had to rush outside to keep those pass rushes, pass rush lanes closed. So it's just, it's just communication. Uh, and especially with this, you know, with the team like the 49ers, where it's based on that pressure, especially on third and long, Teams are going to start looking for those opportunities to run down the field. And the 49ers historically have had issues with mobile quarterbacks, you know, and the guys that you talked about, you know, any quarterback that's going to be mobile, you know, this is an opportunity, you know, you got to get better. You got to be able to corral them. But the 49ers, for some reason, have issues with quarterbacks that can make plays with their legs. Um, but moving on into the playoffs, you got to get that fixed. Uh, and, you got to have better communication. You can't have the busted plays. Uh, it just seemed like yesterday there was a lot of busted coverages on the back end. And you got to help out, you know, your your cornerback. You know, you, you you really have to figure out how you're going to get a linebacker over there to help out your your cornerback because teams are exposing that. They see it now. It's on tape. Uh, and moving forward, that's going to be a spot that offenses try to expose. Well, it was funny. Nick Bosa was was asked about that uh, in in relation to Jared Stidham, and it was the question was, well, is Stidham the the type of quarterback that you know he surprised you with his speed that was able to take advantage of those lanes? And and Bosa said, you know, although the 49ers did underestimate parts of Stidham's game, he said that really wasn't one of them. He said that Tom Brady could have run through some of the gaps that the 49ers left in their pass rush. He said that. That had nothing to do with with the quarterback that they were facing. They just weren't disciplined rushing right. the passer yesterday. It, it, it was that bad. So, uh, you know, you look at this in the big picture. The last time the defense played a bad game was against Kansas City in Week Seven. 
and then they course correct it, right? It took a half to course correct against the Rams. The first half wasn't all that great against L.A., but in the second half they began that that four-game second-half shutout streak, and then they didn't lay down another bad one until this one in Vegas. So you'd rather have the bad one right now, and you'd also rather have the bad one when your offense is there to pick you up, kind of like that 2019 New Orleans game. So now the 49ers are going to turn around. They have Arizona next week. As I mentioned, they're massive two touchdown favorites, and then it could be Green Bay in the postseason. I actually believe that if Green Bay wins their final game this weekend, and the 49ers do win too, obviously, I think it might be 49ers 2 versus Green Bay seed number 7 at Levi Stadium. Wouldn't that be something, given how this season looked just a few weeks ago? So uh, probably too early to start, you know, really being sure about what's going to happen in the wild card round because this last week of the regular season could get crazy. The 49ers could also move up to that number one seed if Philadelphia loses. That's still in play. The New York Giants are playing the Eagles. So uh, a lot left to be determined. But in on the aggregate, the 49ers somehow, some way, despite not playing their best, got the job done. And they are in better playoff position now than they were before the game started on Sunday. I think it's written somewhere in the NFL bylaws that they have to play the Packers. I mean, I don't remember <laughs> a recent postseason where they haven't played Green Bay um, and and haven't had a really uh, just remarkable game against Green Bay, either from the closeness of the game or uh, blowing them out. Going back to Colin Kaepernick's uh, kind of uh, unveiling of the uh, read option stuff that, that they were doing that year. So, um, yeah, that seems... Almost written in the stars, uh, you know. I, I feel like the 49ers can can beat any of these teams in the NFC, with the the Eagles being the the best test of them all. Although some people I talk to say that uh, they think that the matchup against the Eagles is better for the 49ers than the matchup against the Cowboys. Uh, so I, I wanted to get your your guys' opinions on what. Uh, what might be ideal and what might be the one the one team in the NFC that could give the 49ers the, the biggest trouble? I, I, I don't want to see Green Bay. I mean, I, I know the history, um, recent history with Green Bay, uh, 49ers dominate. But I, I, I just, this is, the Green Bay Packers have got, you talk about getting into a rhythm, they've gotten to a rhythm now. I, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. I mean, I, I just, I mean, he's, he's that guy that I, 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 he's the one guy in the playoffs. Jalen Hurt, Hurts is one, but, you know, he is, Aaron Rodgers is a guy I just don't want to see in the playoffs. I, I just think the, the, the Packers, they've, they've got the, that momentum right now. Um, you know, they're out of it. Now they're back in it. The confidence is there. I, I just even even though it's in it's, it's in Levi's Stadium, I just don't want to see the Green Bay. I, any other team, I just don't want to see the Green Bay Packers. And I, it's not a matchup thing. It's just that Aaron Rodgers on the roll is dangerous to me. That's my two cents. Well, and they beat them last year. The Packers did at Levi Stadium. It was at Lambeau where the 49ers won. I'm not saying that you want to go back to Lambeau in the postseason. That's not an option. Uh, this right. year because the Packers are going to get in as if they do get in as as a, as a low seed and the 49ers are a division champion. But yeah, I mean, especially a hot Packers team, right? They were playing poorly throughout much of this season, but now they're playing well. They took the Vikings to the woodshed. And, you know, it's 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 interesting because it's about how you finish, not how you start. That's that was the story last year, right? For the 49ers defense. 
They didn't play well against the Packers in week three. They played a whole lot better in the divisional round. So it'd be a chance at, you know, a, a, a script flipping for Green Bay if they do have that shot to play the 49ers. But, you know, let's, let's keep it real here. This 49ers team is still really damn good. They're still a lot better than the Packers. They've been the top team in football now for nine weeks running, and that's even considering the defensive blip yesterday. So I really do think that the 49ers would be confident playing anybody in the NFC, especially at home, and obviously they won't have to play the Eagles until a little bit later. The Eagles, though, they're starting to falter here a little bit. They, they've lost two straight. Nobody really knows how seriously Jalen Hurts is hurt, um, on the outside at least. I'm sure the Eagles do. There are murmurs that, that they're downplaying that a little bit because, uh, you know, the shoulder sprain or whatever else it might be. I mean, we, we've seen the 49ers have to deal with that uh, through Jimmy Garoppolo last season, and that definitely damaged their playoff hopes. So there are just this is the case around the entire NFL because of parity and because of the general taxing nature of this marathon. Uh, that there are a lot of flawed teams out there. Everybody's got some kind of weakness, and it's about who has the fewest weaknesses. And we talk about the 49ers' weaknesses at the cornerback position, maybe a little bit in the secondary, right, biting on too many play fakes. And, uh, you know, they're still playing with a rookie quarterback, although he keeps on answering every question that needs to be answered. The 49ers might not be 100% perfect, but they're definitely the most perfect out of any of these teams right now, right? And that's why they do have the league's longest winning streak. And, Matt, I think that's why they'd be confident playing anybody in that wild card round. Yeah, sure. And uh, I, I agree with you. I, mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Eagles fall uh, in, in the finale to the Giants. Uh, the Giants don't have much to play for. But um, hey, it could be that that Hurts is out again. So that's a that's a totally different Eagles team. And, and that's, uh, you know, that that's why I, I got a little bit of uh, blowback uh, in that halftime story where I, I called the 49ers the most talented team in the league. But I just don't see any other teams out there that could be on their third quarterback and uh, be, you know, in the midst of a nine-game winning streak. So I mean, we talked about how great Brock, Brock Purdy's been, but it's uh, it's the cast around him that's really been able to prop him up. So, uh, yeah, I agree that uh, they're going to be uh, favorites, probably heavy favorites against anybody. Um, it seems like that number one seed is still a possibility. And the last time they had the number one seed, they handled it really well. Uh, you know, a week off and you worry about rust and momentum and things like that. But that was not an issue um, in those uh, uh, divisional game and then the, the championship game, both of them at Levi's, both of them blowouts against teams from the NFC North. So um, I think that's uh, that's the preferred route, I'm sure. Um, guys like uh, uh, Trent Williams and Nick Bosa and, and Christian McCaffrey and, and veterans will really see the, the benefit of uh, if it comes to it, of, of having that week off and just uh, an extra seven days of healing and rest and kind of uh, preparing for that first game. Yeah. I mean, you know, first week by, I mean, I was lucky enough to be part of a lot of first week buys and we would go to Arizona because the weather would get so bad here. We'd go to Arizona and practice in the Cardinals facilities because they were never in the playoffs back in the 90s. <laughs> But it was, yeah, it's nice. I mean, and for this team, you know, to to have a an extra seven days, you think Elijah Mitchell is going to be coming back. Another extra week for 
for Debo to get himself together and then everyone, everyone else to get fresh legs. Um, but, you know, you still got to catch Minnesota, even though I think, you know, the Vikings are kind of a fraud a little bit. But I think or uh, or uh, I'm thinking about Philadelphia, um, Philadelphia. I don't think you catch Philadelphia, but still, you know, you you, you have an opportunity to, to get off your feet a little bit. A first week, first week buy is great. It's, it's bonus. And for this for this team, it'll be great. Um, got a quick question. Is Seattle still in the mix? Yeah, Seattle is still in the mix. In fact, if the playoffs end it right now, or the playoffs start it right now as we speak, it'd be Niners Seahawks in that wild card round at Wouldn't Levi's. But <laughs> I, 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 I have to look through the permutations that they still have to play Week 18, and uh, if the Packers win, I think it's Green Bay. I, I can't, you know, it's 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 complicated. But right now, Seattle is in that seven seed, but they haven't clinched it yet, and that would be crazy a uh, 49ers Seahawks uh, game. But um, you know that. This is how it always is in, in the final week of the regular season. You have uh, teams trying to sneak in. And guess what happened last year? Is the 49ers who were trying to sneak in, and they beat the Rams. And they got in, and they made, they made noise. And, again, that's why I look at, at a team like the Green Bay Packers, and they, they could point at the 2021 49ers as, as their model if they can get in. So they can be scary, but the 49ers are definitely an intimidating force because they can win – uh, through both primary phases of the game. And yesterday, obviously, special teams had a bounce back as well. Robbie Gold knocked through the winner for the 49ers to beat the Las Vegas Raiders 37-34 in overtime. I started this by saying it was a game that we likely won't forget for a long time. I'll finish it by saying that. It was a memorable one in Las Vegas. Well, we'll talk to you all this week ahead of 49ers Cardinals for Dennis Brown and Matt Barrows. This is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you all next time on Here's the Catch.